I love that bumper video, but probably not for the reason you think. Uh, it gives me one minute, <laughs> one minute to drink some water and catch my breath and put on my mic and open my Bible. Um, I don't think this is funny. Uh, almost every week when we play that, somebody disputes it on Facebook. Once it was Disney, they said, we own 15 seconds of those clouds. And another time it was some Korean, believe it or not, John, it was a Korean outfit. And I first thought it was Chinese and I looked at the characters and I know the difference between Chinese and Korean characters. And I was like, both times I disputed it because we have a streaming license and we pay our copyrights and both times um, they release the dispute. So if you ever go on and you see something on our website that says Disney or some Korean thing allows you to look at this, it's, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know how you can own 15 seconds of clouds. I don't know. But I, I decided to play it again this week anyway and throw caution to the wind. If somebody disputes it, so be it. We'll just, we'll just dispute back and it'll all go away. It'll be good. Um, so we're continuing today in our series talking about how amazing God is uh, and some of the different characteristics. And we turn to, I think, one of my favorites. I love what Daniel said. Um, I asked him, you know, if, if he could share, and when he did, uh, I could either assign him scripture or he could choose because there's so much in scripture about the Father, and he says, "I already have something. I got this." And so um, he went uh, a different direction, but I loved how he talked about the relational character that the idea of a God who is Father gives us. It's somebody who wants to be known. Now we all have different fathers. We're going to get into that in a minute. But there's a couple things to set the stage. God is our Father. I want to read two verses out of Matthew. Actually, uh, there's going to be actually five verses out of Matthew. But two points just to kind of set some foundational things about a God who is our Father. First scripture teaches God is our Father in heaven. God is our Father in heaven. That's why when we pray, in fact, that's like, I think everybody, if you pray, you have like a go-to way to address God when you address him. I almost always say Heavenly Father. I don't know why. It's just, that's just the thing. And some of you are probably different in what you say and how you address God. And I love that he has so many uh, characteristics and names that we can address him by. But, but that's one of my favorite ones. God is our Father in heaven. And so I address him as Heavenly Father. His dwelling place, if you will, that place that he is, is not this world. Uh, it's a place called heaven. Matthew 6, 9 says... Uh, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray, he said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, that's where I think we get the idea of praying, Heavenly Father. It comes from what we call the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 23, 9, it says, call no man on uh, your Father on earth, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Um, so our Father is a Heavenly Father. And the second thing to set the stage here is that God has command of all knowledge. He, he knows everything, which makes sense because he created all things. He knows all things. Matthew 10, 29 says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. He knows everything. He knows even which sparrows won't make it through the day today. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Matthew 6, 8, Do not be like them, Jesus says, for your father is talking about uh, people who, who pray with their many words. He says, don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask. He said, so when you talk to the father, you, you don't need to butter him up with a bunch of words is what he's getting at. If you go back and you read that passage in Matthew 6, Jesus is saying, don't have to butter, butter God up. 
He's not like your heavenly father. Anybody ever butter your I saw that smile. Yeah, anybody ever butter your oh, Hannah, do you do that? Hannah, Caitlin, I see you. You guys ever butter dad up? Do you want something? Oh, yeah. Don't. Now he knows. He probably already did. My daughters do too. Um, and we have cats at home. We love cats. We have one cat. The youngest cat is a little one. We call her Mo, but she has sad eyes sometimes. She knows when to employ the sad eyes. And she puts on these sad eyes, and she looks so sad, and you'll give her anything. And my daughters do and did the same thing. But we don't have to do that to the father. We don't have to butter the father up. He knows what we need before we ask him. Matthew 24, 36 says, concerning the day or the hour, uh, uh, that is, of the second coming of Christ, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. The Father has command of all knowledge. So, with those two foundational ideas in place, God the Father in heaven, God the Father who is command of all knowledge, let's talk a little bit about what kind of Father our God is. Um, because we all had a Father. <laughs> Some of us knew him, maybe some of us didn't know him. Some of us uh, had what we would consider great fathers, and some of us had what we would consider not great fathers. Because of the fact of the differences in our life, we, we really have to talk about this a minute, because there are differing opinions among people about the idea of father. Some people hear the idea of father and it's warm to them and they're like, yeah, God's my father. That makes me feel warm. Some people hear God's my father and they go, what? My, my father was a drunk and he was absent and I don't like the idea that God's a father. So we have to talk about this idea because uh, our heavenly father is different than our earthly father. Some of us had good fathers. Some of us had great fathers. Some of us had uh, magnificent fathers. Uh, some of us had um, what we would consider duds. Some of us, we don't even know who our fathers are because they were either gone or absent our whole life. So when we hear this idea of father, we go back to those foundational ideas. So one, the one of, in particular is he's our heavenly father, which indicates to us that he's not like our earthly father. There's a lot contained in just that idea, heavenly father. Because what is he not? He's not our earthly father. He's completely and totally and utterly different. So we're going to look at some characteristics here, if you will, of what kind of God, what kind of father is God. First of all, God our Father shows great care for us. He is a father that shows great care, an immense amount of care. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says this, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. It's one of my favorite verses. He knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. <laughs> he, he was there at creation when he created Adam out of dust, and when he created Eve out of a rib out of Adam, which was created out of dust. And he knows us. He has compassion on us. He loves us, and he knows that we are dust. That's kind of a, maybe a weird idea there, right? But, but, I, what, but I think the essence there is that he understands every tiny bit of you because he made you. He knows how you act. He knows how you think. He knows, what, he, he knows you're frail. I was tired yesterday. I don't know about you guys. Um, some of you are tired today. Some of us aren't here today because we're tired, right? We're at home. He understands that we're human. He understands that we're imperfect. 
But he still loves us because he's a caring father. Uh, in Matthew 4, chapter 4, take a look at that here. I'm sorry, did I say Matthew? I meant Mark. Mark 4, 38 through 40. It says this. this is one of, I'm going to give you a preface real quick, though. <laughs> um, this is a, a story we're well acquainted with, most of us. Uh, Jesus went to sea. He went in the boat. He was with the disciples. He was crossing over from one side to the other after a long, busy day uh, of ministry. Uh, and he got in the boat, and he went to sleep, and the boat starts to cross the water. In the middle of the water, a storm broke. In the middle of this sea of Galilee. And it says, but Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And remember, I've mentioned before, it was the cushion. There was only one cushion in the boat, the cushion. Jesus was asleep on him. He woke, uh, the disciples woke him and said, teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. And he awoke and he rebuked the sea, uh, the wind, and he said to the sea, peace be still. So as the wind ceased, there was great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you ever asked God that question? Jesus, don't you care? God, where are you in the midst of this mess? Don't you care about me? Just like those guys in the boat were like, don't you care? We are perishing down here in the boat and you're asleep on the cushion. God says, I do care. Because I'm a caring father. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen to what it says. Casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. How, how good are you at casting all your anxieties upon the father who cares? Um, sometimes we're good at it, right? Sometimes we're not so good. Sometimes we like to hold on to those anxieties. We like to worry. Anybody you like to worry? Just admit it. You're a worrier. Oh, I see. Oh, my. Too many hands going up. We like to worry. We like to be anxious. We have anxiety. Um, the Father says, give all that anxiety to me because I care for you. I will carry those things for you. Does God care about your bills? Absolutely. Does he care about your health? Does he care about your success or your failure in life? Absolutely. How about your children? Does he care about your children and your education and their education? Does he care about whether you get married or not? Does he care about your spouse? Does he care about that person that you're dating? Does he care about how you feel this morning? He does. He's a God who cares. Matthew 6 says this, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? You do that, you ever run around, it's like, oh no, money's short, money's tight. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? So the Gentiles seek after these. That's the people that don't know God yet. The Gentiles seek after these, but it says your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Your heavenly father, and it makes sense he would know that you need them because he created you. He knows your frame. He knows that you get tired. He knows that you get hungry. He knows that you need a job. He knows these things, and he helps us to have them, and he gives them to us. He gives us jobs and work and the ability to work, and he cares for us. Scripture says God is interested in every detail of your life, every detail. But did you notice, as so often is true in Scripture, that this is a conditional statement? Because uh, what I didn't read there is it says, seek first the kingdom of God 
and all of these things will be added unto you. So it's a conditional statement. God cares for you, God loves you, God wants to provide for you and give you all things, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first a God who is a father. Can you seem to take care of every detail in your life? Anybody? <laughs> I can't. I, I can never seem to get quite get everything done, and I can never quite seem to take care of every detail. But God can, to place him first in your life, ask this question, does what I'm about to do or think or feel glorify God? You ever ask yourself that question, or do you just rush in and do stuff? Is what I'm about to do or think or feel going to glorify God? That's how we seek first his kingdom. We learn to ask that question before every thought, before every action, before every deed. We place first in our life a, a God who is a father who cares for us. And, and he says he knows your needs and the rest will take care of itself. Second thing we need to understand about our earthly fathers is our, 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 our unlike our earthly fathers, that is, is that God, our father, is a consistent father. Um, anybody, you have trouble being consistent. <laughs> anybody want to admit that? <laughs> Everybody keeps raising their hand for everything today, right? Um, let's define consistent. The word consistent means constantly adhering to the same principles. Constantly adhering to the same principles. Course, form, not self-contradictory. <laughs> anybody go like, oh, no. You ever contradicted yourself? I'm sure you have. Absolutely, we have. Um, consistent means you don't do that. I don't know about you dads, but if I'm going to be honest with myself, I'm not always consistent. I'm not always consistent with, uh, with stuff in my life. I believe in consistency. I haven't always been consistent with Lydia. I haven't always been consistent with our girls. Um, I've seen that look, and you've seen it too, when your children expect you to react one way and you react another. Anybody, you've seen that look? That's a heartbreaking look, isn't it? When they, when, when they fully expect you to act in a way that is consistent with how you've acted in the past, but maybe you had a bad day that day. Uh, or lunch didn't sit right. <laughs> or you're worried about the bills, or you're worried about something else, and you don't respond consistently. Surprise, disappointment, Maybe you've even seen that look in a child's eyes of fear at your response. We don't have to worry about that with our Father. James 1.7 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is, listen, no variation or shadow due to change. There's no variation in God. He's a consistent God. He is the same, and Scripture even says, He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the same. He does not vary. The thing I want to stress here are the words due to change. He doesn't change. Inconsistent fathers, guess what inconsistent fathers produce? Inconsistent children, right? We pass that on. But scripture says that God is not only a caring father, but he's also a consistent father, and he never has a bad day at work. He doesn't wake up grumpy or moody. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. He's consistent. He's faithful. He doesn't have mood swings or hormonal imbalances. He doesn't age and grow mellow. You ever have uh, your older parents, they age and they grow mellow, and you're like, wow, they're different now. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that too. 
It's not one minute he's real nice to you and the next minute he's real mean to you. Because God is a consistent father. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful and that he cannot deny himself. He can't be different than who he is. That's what that scripture means. He cannot deny himself. Even when I'm unfaithful, God's faithful. When I'm inconsistent, he's consistent. When I'm unreliable, God's reliable. When everything else in this world is changing, and some of it by the day, isn't it? What was right uh, is now wrong, and what was wrong is now right. Things are changing. When sin is celebrated, good and good is called sin. I can always count on one thing. God acts the same way towards me. He doesn't change. His son, his spirit, and his word, they do not change. The world is going to change around us. If you've lived in this world at all, for any time at all, and you've, you've been watching what's going on, you know the world is going to change. And it's only going to get faster. He is loving and he is consistent regardless of my mood. He loves me as much on my bad days as on my good days. He loves me uh, because he made me. And he loves me now, especially because I'm his through Christ. And he loves those who belong to him. His principles are always the same, though the world may twist them, though the world may disregard them. The Lord says in, in Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. I think that's the, the most straightforward statement in all of scripture about God's consistency. And this is good news. This is good news. If you've ever dealt with inconsistency, knowing that we have a God that is the same today and tomorrow and forever is great news. Another thing about God our Father is He's accessible at all times. Um, if, you're, uh, if you've ever had a father or you are a father and you've experienced that life with a father, you know that Dad's not always available, Right? Um, dads and, and moms have to work. We have to work. We can't always be accessible. Uh, I don't know a dad on earth that is as accessible as God is. I don't think there is one. We have to work. We have to sleep. We have to eat. Some of us even take showers from time to time. We have things we have to do, right, to provide for our families. Um, we also have hobbies. We have things we like to do for ourselves. Um, these things make me only moderately accessible to my children and, and to Lydia. Although Lydia and I spend almost every day together all day. Um, so we're, we're together a lot. But I'm still not as accessible to Lydia as the father is to her and as the father is to you. We have to work. We have to sleep. We have to eat. We have to do things uh, to take care of ourselves. God doesn't go to work for an eight-hour day. Anybody ever have a dad that went to work for an eight-hour day and you couldn't call him and talk to him? Some of us had dads, you could call him at work. Some had dads that was like, I'll see you tonight when I get home. And, and he was inaccessible the whole day. He, he was unreachable. Unless there was an emergency, somebody was at the hospital or dying, um, you, you didn't call or bother dad at work. God doesn't do that. He doesn't work an eight-hour day and then come home and mow the lawn uh, and then wash the car and all the other things that dads do. He is always waiting for us to talk. He's always accessible for us through uh, prayer and through his word. 24-7, 365, he is available at every moment. In Acts 17, turn there with me, Paul 
is talking to a group uh, of men in Athens. They were called the Areopagus. It was a group of Athenians and foreigners. In verse 21, it says they spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. And we can see in Acts 17, Paul uh, listens. He, if you read the whole passage, um, he spent time observing the place where they met, uh, looking at statues and inscriptions. And then he stands up to address these men. And this is what he says in verse 22 of chapter 17. Says so, so Paul standing in the middle of the in the midst of the Areopagus said, "Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are religious, for I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown god. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I pro proclaim to you: the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven." And earth does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation and mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods, the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him... We live and move and have our being. Isn't it interesting? Uh, it, well, I, the last little bit there says, e even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. But isn't it interesting, um, this passage? Uh, the couple of things, God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. We talked at the very beginning, one of our foundational points was God's our Father in heaven. But isn't it interesting that he also, in uh, Paul says here that in him we live and move and have our being. So God is all around us as well. Now, before we get too carried away, when we used to live in Seattle, uh, we, we graduated from college, we moved out to Seattle, and we lived with uh, what you kind of call a step-grandmother, if you will. My grandfather died. Uh, we lived with her for about six, nine months. And um, you could see this beautiful view out of her window. She lived north of Seattle, but if you looked out the window, there were huge pine trees. And in the distance, you could see Mount Rainier. If anybody's ever been to Seattle, it's a huge mountain, old uh, dormant volcano. And we would try to talk to her about God because um, we went to a church there and we were preparing to go to seminary and we were interested in you know, spiritual conversations. And she, Every time we brought it up, she would say, you see that tree out the window? You see that tree? That tree is my God. That mountain, that mountain is my God. Um, God is not a created thing. God created the tree, and he created the mountain. And scripture says we have our, our, our life uh, in and amongst and through God. I love the way he puts it. And, and, and so while God is all around us, he is not the tree. How does he say it here? In him we live and move and have our being. But he's not the tree. He's not the mountain. He lives in a temple, but it's not a temple made by human hands, is it? Scripture teaches, and Paul talks about the, the temple in the life of the believer. That when we come to have faith in Jesus Christ and we accept what, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, 
and we ask Jesus to save us, Scripture says that the, the Spirit of God takes up residence in the believer, that we are the temple that he lives in. No longer does he live uh, in a temple. That's why um, in the Easter you see that the veil was torn. God said, I'm done. I'm done with the temple. Now I live in the hearts and the minds and the lives of the humans who are my, my, my creation, but who are also mine through Christ. Acts 27, or 1727 again, it says, we should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. <laughs> Yet he is not far from each one of us. A lot of us grew up with absentee fathers. They were never there. They were gone. Uh, they were always at work. They missed the important dates. And when they were home, they weren't really there. Some of us had fathers like that. They were detached. They were reading. They were watching TV, studying, working on a business plan, reading a book, playing a video game. Uh, they may have been there physically, but mentally and emotionally they weren't. Some of us had fathers like that, absentee fathers, who were distant and inaccessible. Or maybe we didn't have fathers who were home at all. We serve and are loved by a spiritual father who will never leave us and forsake us. So quickly in closing, three things that we can be comforted by in the nature of our consistent Heavenly Father. First, our Father, God is never too busy for us. These are your takeaways for today. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to call on him in truth. He's never too busy for me, and he's never too busy for you. Have you ever told your kids, I'm, not, I'm, I'm busy now? Maybe later. I was thinking about that last night when I was studying this, and um, no matter how much time you spend with your kids, the maybe laters will bother you when they leave the house. Even if you spent tons of times with your kid, you can remember the maybe laters. God will never say maybe later to you. God is always available, and he's never too busy. God our Father loves to meet our needs. Um, a lot of times when we pray, that's the thing we go to him about. He wants to have conversations with us beyond our needs, and he wants to just know us and experience us and for us to experience him. But he is concerned about your needs, and he does want to meet them. He's not annoyed by me, and he never will. Remember, Scripture says he knows what you want uh, and need before you ask. Um, Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, speaking to us, are e who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Read that passage later. Go to Matthew 7 and read that whole thing if you'd like. Uh, a very interesting passage uh, about uh, asking and receiving uh, in prayer from the Father. But the Father, remember, he loves to meet your needs. If you and I, being a perfect father, can give good gifts to our kids, imagine how much more God can do. We're inconsistent. We're imperfect. God, who is a perfect father, gives how? Perfectly. Right? You never call uh, God in prayer and get a message. Did, did anybody remember back in the day when you had a landline? We don't have one anymore. Maybe some of you still do, but you dial it and it would go, doo, doo, doo. You know? You don't ever get that tone. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? But maybe you've heard this. The lines are busy at this time. Please try again later. Anybody ever heard that one? Yeah. You're never going to get that when you talk to God. 
He's always available, and he loves to meet your need. Last thing here is God, our Father, is sympathetic to your hurts. He's sympathetic to your hurts. He's sympathetic to my hurts. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted today? Is there something you're brokenhearted about? Is there something you're crushed in spirit about? Scripture says the Lord is near to you. He is near to you. When you hurt, God hurts. When you grieve, God grieves. That's what he wants us to do. Remember, um, he, he wants us to mourn with those who mourn, grieve with those who grieve, laugh with those who laugh, right? Smile with those who smile. Uh, God does the same with us. When you can't get out of bed in the morning, God is there if you're broken in spirit. Some of you came this morning and you were dragging in. Um, probably, <laughs> Marissa's like holding her head. <laughs> And laughing out loud. Um, you, you dragged in this morning, and I didn't know you were going to drag in when I wrote this, right? We didn't know that. But some of us are dragging in because of the time change. Some of us are dragging in because something broke our heart this week. Something broke our heart, and we're crushed. We lost a loved one. We had a bad experience with work. Uh, a fight with a spouse. The kids are going in the wrong direction. Your heart's breaking. You're crushed in spirit. And you feel like the psalmist who wrote and said, My spirit is crushed. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. Don't forget the Lord is near. Don't be afraid to approach him and pour out your heart to him. Our God, our Father, is many things, and so many things that we're going to take another week next week to talk some more about our God, who is the Father. But as we always get to some point in the message, we have to answer the question, so what, right? So what? All of the things we talked about today are just facts, unless the God of heaven is your God, is your Father, is your Savior in Christ. If he's not, he's just a creator. He's just the one who created all things. He's up there. He's out there. Uh, he may seem indistant and impersonal to you because you haven't met him yet. You don't know him. So we have to ask the question, the so what question today is, is this father we're talking about your father? And if he's not your father, you know it. And he's waiting for you to ask, to seek, to find. He's close by. Remember, he's nearby. If we would just feel our way towards him, we would find him. He's close to us. And he loves us. And he sent his only son to carry our sin that separated us from God to the cross, and then he went to the grave in our place. He was the sacrifice. He was the, uh, the one who paid the price for you and for I. If you're not sure whether you know the Father, or you're certain you do not know the Father, then you can address that in this moment, in this place, online, if it's working. <laughs> you just go to the Father and say, I, I, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been living my own way. I have been a sinful person and I am in sin. Father, forgive me of my sin. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that you sent him to die for, for my sin. And he went to the cross. He died and he rose again. And I believe that because of that, I can now be saved. Lord, save me. There's nothing you can do 
There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can pay or buy or, or save to, to gain the grace of God but to accept what he's already done. And that's going to mean a change, a change of life, a change of priorities, a change of, uh, of thought, a change of direction. That's what salvation is about. I'm walking one way in my own way, in my own time, in my own will. And, and the Lord grabs me and he says, turn around, Sean. Turn around. Scripture says if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ went to the cross and rose from the grave, and we call on God and ask him to save us, it says that he will. It's like a drowning man calling for a lifeguard. Well, guess what? <laughs> if, if the father is not your father, you're drowning. You may not know it. You may not realize it. But you're drowning. And the father waits to save you because he loves you. And he is close. And he's not going to force you. And he's going to wait for you like the, like the father and the prodigal son. The son went, he left, he, he, he tore it up. Spent a bunch of money, did a bunch of stupid stuff. And the father waited for him. Father didn't go out and drag him back. He waited. Scripture says he waited at home. And then the son, finally in a, in a fit of, of, I don't know what to do next, turned and, and decided he'd go back home and throw himself on the mercy of his father and asked just to be a, a hired hand. And he went home and his father was waiting for him. And when the son came, when he turned away, when he literally, he repented of his way, he turned away from the way he was going. And he went back to the father and he said, Father, forgive me, make me as a hired hand. And the father's like, I'm not going to hear any of that. You're my son and I've been waiting for you and I love you and I accept you. Put the robe, give him the ring. He's, he's not a hired hand, he's my son. And that's the same thing the father does for us. When we turn from our way and our will and we accept what Christ has done for us, we become his. The old is gone, the new has come. Uh, we become a new creation in Christ. So today, if you haven't settled whether the Father who is our God is your Father, settle it now as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning, for this time of worship, for the, the music, uh, for Daniel sharing in the videos, for the folks doing uh, sound and uh, streaming and all the tech and, and Renee having cleaned the building and everything that happened this week, Lord, for um, opportunities for us to serve and to be your hands and feet, uh, giving away food and giving away clothes and doing other things that, that happen in the community uh, by, by the hands of, of, of believers in this church that we don't even know about. We don't even know uh, acts of kindness and service that happened this week. Lord, may those things be for your glory and for your honor and, and, and continue to equip us and empower us uh, and gift us for those kinds of things, to, to serve and love our neighbor. And, and Lord, when we have the opportunities to open our mouth and talk about a, a father, um, Lord, remind us of these things today. These are good jumping off points because uh, everyone has a father. Everyone has a father story. What an amazing place. Help us to intersect your word uh, and your teaching in scripture about who you are as God our Father with the lives of people that we interact with um, daily at work, at home, uh, and at play. Uh, Lord, may all of those things happen for your glory and for your honor that many people might come to know you, many, many more. Um, and Lord, uh, thank you for reminding us today 
uh, who you are for us. Um, Lord, we love you and we honor you and we are, we are happy and proud and thrilled to call you Heavenly Father. And we thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to save us and your Holy Spirit who lives within the believer. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name.